During most of the months of COVID, I have been reading and rereading through Romans and have been having an absolutely wonderful experience with Paul and, more importantly, of course, Jesus. There's really nothing like Romans, is there? And yet, in Romans, there is also nothing like, in my opinion, the glories of chapter 8 and the section we're going to be reading through today. Romans 5, 1 through 11 is, phrase by phrase, some of Paul's most thick with glory writing in all of his letters. It gives us a taste of what is coming again in three chapters. It gives us a glimpse of how heaven is ours already. And tucked inside all of that goodness are practical teachings about the practical conduct of our now eternal, everlasting lives in Jesus. So here's my plan today. Firstly, it's important to me that you hear all the wonders of this section in one go. So I'll read it all all together first. Then, with my humble apologies for already knowing that I am going to get totally carried away, I want to walk us through phrase by phrase and amplify what Paul is saying. Because I'll say it today, and I'll say it again in Romans 8. If you and I actually believed and took to heart all these words and phrases, we frankly wouldn't need almost anything else. These verses are a a, a panorama of the heart of God, the full glory of the gospel, and they are the way to live the life that Jesus offers. So do I have you a little bit enticed right now? All right. Romans 5, 1 through 11 in its entirety. Since then, it is by faith that we are justified. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have confidently entered into this new relationship of grace. And here we take our stand in happy certainty of the glorious things he has for us in the future. This doesn't mean, of course that we have only a hope of future joys, we can be full of joy here and now, even in our trials and troubles. Taken in the right spirit, these very things will give us patient endurance. This, in turn, will develop a mature character, and a character of this sort produces a steady hope, a hope that will never disappoint us. Already, we have some experience of the love of God flooding through our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. And we can see that it was while we were powerless to help ourselves that Christ died for sinful men. In human experience, it is a rare thing for one man to give his life for another, even if the latter be a good man, though there have been a few who have had the courage to do it. Yet the proof of God's amazing love is this, that it was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. Moreover, if he did that for us while we were sinners, now that we are men justified by the shedding of his blood, what reason have we to fear the wrath of God? If, while we were his enemies, Christ reconciled us to God by dying for us, surely now that we are reconciled, we may be perfectly certain of our salvation through his living in us. Nor, I am sure, Is this a matter of bare salvation? We may hold our heads high 
in the light of God's love because of the reconciliation which Christ has made. And now, phrase by phrase, my amplification. Since then, it is by faith that we are justified. Since then, the language of an accomplished fact. And the fact of the matter is that by faith, aligning our lives with the life and death of Jesus, we have already been justified, made right. We have been reset to our Garden of Eden, first creation, new creation, factory setting, and there's nothing we can do to lose that. So, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll reiterate, have peace. Not had for a minute at the moment of your prayer of salvation, nor will have at the moment when you breathe your last earthly breath. No! By faith, and because of faith, and in faith, we are justified right now, and at peace with God right now. Our Lord Jesus Christ, himself the Prince of Peace, came to impart eternal peace to all creation with the victory of the kingdom of heaven. Every battle of the great cosmic war is over. Peace is declared. We have peace with God now. And through him, we have confidently entered into this new relationship of grace. Everything we're doing is meant to be new. It is not by works, not with terror and trepidation, not nebulous in its meaning and practice, not old, not joyless, sterile, or bland. It is through Jesus, that wonderful bearded man from the Galilee. It is meant to be confident, a solid spiritual construct. We can live inside, new and relational in both grace and joy. We are each of us meant to show the world Jesus by our confidence as we enter further and further into the newness of this grace. And how will it look? And here we take our stand. It is solid, consequential, even geographical. It is a place, the kingdom of heaven, where we, individually and together, may solidly stand in the security and surety of all that Jesus has done. Every single inch of the earth's surface is able to be inhabited with his goodness in us. We may take this stand anywhere. And it is not a stand of division, mankind against mankind. It is like a stand of spiritual flag planting that claims all mankind and the earth for the kingdom, which, by the way, has forever already arrived. And what is our future outlook? In happy certainty of the glorious things he has for us in the future. Someday, when we die, when our lives are held in the balance as being part of Jesus' death, we, you and I, will be welcomed into the eternal, glorious things of heaven. Our everlasting future is none other than the timeless experience of being in Jesus, with Jesus, forever. You may be happily certain of that fact. But what about tomorrow, next week, next year, 
the ensuing years between today and heaven? Well, as we live, as our lives are held in the balance as being part of Jesus's life, we may, by his spirit, experience heaven each day. Our earthly future may be nothing less than the timeless experience of being in Jesus, with Jesus, by this glorious thing of being indwelt by his spirit. But are we only to look to tomorrow or way off in the distance to eternity? This doesn't mean, of course, that we have only a hope of future joys. We can be full of joy here and now, even in our trials and troubles. Friends, the gospel of Jesus, properly understood, believed, and most importantly, encountered in the sparkling person and personality of Jesus himself, leaves literally no room for anything less than joy. Christian joy is the final and best advertisement for its only natural supernatural fount, the living Jesus. To know Jesus is to be fully filled with joy. To encounter him is a thrill of the highest magnitude. To believe in him is synonymous with experience of his joy, for he personally promised to give us his, and thus, to lack in joy is to lack in Jesus. Today is the place where his joy may be found, because Jesus is alive today and able to bestow upon us his, his joy. But, you might say, life is hard and full of trouble. How will we experience joy in the midst of our struggles? Taken in the right spirit, these very things will give us patient endurance. We must have the right sort of mindset, friends, the right spirit. We must today encounter our hardships with the proper understanding that tomorrow is where we'll reap the harvest of our patient endurance. Remember, only a fool expects all life to proceed perfectly. Everyone should already know that life is hard. So it is the one who finds life hard and yet sources their confidence in Jesus who tomorrow enjoys the perseverance he's personally building up in you. And by the way, there's more. This in turn will develop a mature character and a character of this sort produces a steady hope, a hope that will never disappoint us. And if you draw that thread in reverse, I'll tell you, you'll be richly rewarded with a fundamental life understanding that will also never disappoint. Listen, the steady hope of Jesus, which never ever could ever disappoint our hearts, is born from a character that has been matured, not by our own patient endurance, but by the tending hand of the Savior who is its source and goal. My friends, Jesus is at work within us, upon us. He is right now, today, doing an everlasting work. There is nothing better than finding life hard, enduring for his sake, growing in endurance, being matured, building up his character within and starting to savor of his heavenly hope than when he, sorry, when we realize that all life, all of it, all of its joy, all of its courage, all of its hope is to be found only where? In Jesus. 
And what is that experience of that realization kind of akin to? Already, we have some experience of the love of God flooding through our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. The Holy Spirit of God, the atmosphere of heaven itself, the communion point of the Father and Son, the animating force of all the greatest deeds of the Old Testament has been given without reserve, without end, without any restraint to every believer in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is within you now. He is the exact point on earth within you where the love of God, the life of heaven, is choosing to express itself. Your inward experience of, your your union with this Holy Spirit is the way in which you meet and experience the incarnate life and love of Jesus. And what is that love like? And we can see that it was while we were powerless to help ourselves that Christ died for sinful men. The love of Jesus is powerful for the powerless. It is the perfect help of heaven sent to earth for all the people of earth, everyone who are unable to help themselves. In fact, that is the best definition of the love of Jesus, that it is heavenly, that it cost his life, that it's for the powerless, i.e. all of us. The love of Jesus is the greatest, universal, all-encompassing force that has ever swept across the face of this earth. Listen, in human experience, it is a rare thing for one man to give his life for another, even if the latter be a good man, though there have been a few who have had the courage to do it. Yet, the proof of God's amazing love is this, that it was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. And by the way, it was also while we were sinners that he lived his life for us. Just ask Matthew the tax collector or the woman caught in adultery who was hauled into the temple or, for that matter, any of his disciples. And maybe most notably, while he was in the midst of giving his life for the sake of sinners, how about that criminal who met him in death and then met him again in paradise? God's amazing love is amazing because of how relentless it is, even beyond the bounds of life and death in pursuing the sinner. All human history before Jesus was a record of the seeming wrath of God. Everything after is a catalog of the immensity of his love. And actually, you know what? Speaking of wrath, listen. Moreover, if he did that for us while we were sinners... Now that we are men justified by the shedding of his blood, what reason have we to fear the wrath of God? Short answer, we don't. By the shedding of that righteous blood on our behalf, we followers of Jesus have been set free from every kind of fear. We have been justified, made right, and now the right way to live is in the ways prescribed by the one who personally set us free. Fearless, undaunted, heads held high, ready, listening. And by the way, listening to who? If, while we were his enemies, 
Christ reconciled us to God by dying for us. Surely now that we are reconciled, we may be perfectly certain of our salvation through his living in us. Friends, the God of the universe, the one who hung the moon and stars, who created the mountains and oceans, plains and deserts, animals, birds, fish, people, the God who is the prime mover of every earthly rotation, season, change, down to even each individual's breath, the one who holds it all together, the the God whose power is so immense that even his spoken words hold all the power of life and death, the one enthroned upon a celestial throne controlling this all is also the one who's come to live in your inner life, to prove your salvation and reconciliation and to be your perfect certainty every day. The God of the universe came to save you, died to do it rose to remain with you and now by his spirit lives inside you. This is far more than just a ticket into heaven. In fact, nor, I am sure, is this a matter of bare salvation. Because by the way, that would not be enough for this God as it pertains to you. Oh no. Listen. We may hold our heads high in the light of God's love, because of the reconciliation which Christ has made. And actually, you know what? I would go one better. We must hold our heads high in the light of God's love because of the reconciliation which Christ has made. We must. For in holding our heads as high as should come naturally to the sons and daughters of God, we show the world the light of God's love. And In walking in the light of that great love, we show all people the fruit of that reconciliation which Christ has made. Friends, our inborn confidence speaks volumes of its source. This source who lives inside us as the permanent reconciliation between this human soul and the God who made that soul. We, you and I, are set free from the inside so that our outsides, heads held high, may show the whole world that its salvation has arrived. My friends, let's go ahead and consider both the first and the last of that section as a final refrain. Since then, it is by faith that we are justified. We may hold our heads high in the light of God's love, because of the reconciliation which Christ has made. Amen and amen.